We start hour number two of the Bruce Hooley Show as we start every hour number two on Thursdays with Matt Mayer of OpportunityOhio.org. Matt is a candidate for the GOP nomination for governor in the state of Ohio, and you can follow his detailed plan for what he would do as the uh, successor to Mike DeWine on his website, OhioMatt.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at OhioMatt. That is at OhioMatt on Twitter. And Matt, your bid for governor certainly got a boost this week from the endorsement of Joe Blystone. Tell me how that came about. I was a big fan of Joe and the movement that he started back in 22 with the populist grassroots, let's talk about real Ohioans and, and their problems. And the fact that you know, he got 22% of the vote, spending less than $700,000, which is kind of remarkable. Very much a grassroots word of mouth campaign. Uh, he won 23 counties, got second in another 40. And look, the only reason he didn't win is because he didn't have a couple million dollars to go on radio and TV in the big counties. And so, you know, over the course of me announcing what I'm doing, you know, Joe and I uh, got together and, you know, we, we broke bread and talked a bit. And, you know, we're not we're not aligned on every issue. There's some things that, that Joe believes, you know, passionately in that, that are top issues for me and vice versa. But I think what Joe recognized is, you know, grassroots Ohioans need an outsider and a voice. And, and he kind of looked at what I've done in my career and, and what I want to do as an agenda. And I think he decided that, you know, when it came to getting stuff done and getting our legislature act like it's the supermajority that it is, that I was the guy to do it. And so I was I was honored and proud to take Joe's endorsement. Uh, I think it's, it's been a great response from grassroots Ohioans this week uh, after that endorsement. So, you know, I'll keep working hard to earn all 22 percent of his voters and then to continue to spread spread beyond that so we can get to the plurality majority to win the win the race in 2026. OK, so he got 22 percent of the vote. And he, I don't know the exact numbers, but uh, you had them this week uh, on your website. Number of counties he won, number of counties where he finished second. Uh, You just said that if he had had more money in his coffers, he could have run an even more competitive campaign. Uh, Take me through that a little bit. And that would be for those people who would be inclined to look at you as a candidate and wonder about your viability monetarily, what would you say to them at this point in the campaign? Yeah, look, what I say is this. At the end of the day, right, you've got to have four things to win a campaign. You've got to have a, 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 the strong message, a strong messenger, great organization, and money. And, you know, I think that our message is better than anybody that's in, in the race or going to get in the race. I think I'm a better messenger uh, based on the reaction I'm getting out there in all the counties I've already spoken to. We'll have a strong organization. That's one of the things I do well. Uh, so it's going to come down to money. And, and for me, the issue is, can I raise a sufficient amount of money to make sure that we're on radio and TV in the larger counties? Because you, you can't run up totals in the small counties, but get crushed in the big counties and win. And so that's the real challenge. And look, I, I, I have a pathway. That's why I'm exploring this. That's why I'm taking a very long time to kind of get out there, that long runway I speak about, because I need to make sure I have both the grassroots support as well as a sufficient donor support for us to do this and do this the right way. So, so we're building both both sides of that ledger methodically, and it's coming together uh, far better than I thought it would just seven months out. Matt Mayer is our guest, OpportunityOhio.org, his website. Follow him on Twitter at OhioMatt. His website about his run for governor is at OhioMatt.com. Uh, this is not gubernatorial politics, but it's state politics. Frank LaRose, Secretary of State, uh, running for Senate, and he... Uh, Fired, it appears, uh, one of his press spokespeople, perhaps his chief press spokesperson, Rob Nichols, this week. And uh, this is something that occurred because Rob Nichols apparently tweeted things that were critical of Donald Trump. It underscores how uh, 
important, I'll say. The endorsement of Donald Trump in Ohio is viewed by those who are running. Uh, Your view of this from uh, the outside looking in, what you see and uh, what you think of the decision to jettison someone because they are critical of Donald Trump. Yeah, look, I'm disappointed in Frank Rose on this. And, and, you know, it it, it makes me wonder, you know, what kind of a spine does he have? Is it stiff enough? to take heat because look if, if he hired rob nichols if look you and i've been in this business long enough rob nichols worked for john Kasich. anybody that worked for john Kasich, especially in 2016 17 and 18 has to know they're never trumpers and they were going to be critical of, of donald trump and, and so I, I my guess is frank knew full well what rob nichols has tweeted in the past i mean it's a small little insular world in columbus and, and so when he then fires him because people start raising rob's tweets Boy, I tell you, that's that's not the guy next to me in a foxhole, if you know what I mean. And so for me, you know, I, I, look, I, I have been supportive of Donald Trump, but I also have said, hey, I'm deeply troubled that he has made, managed to spend $36 million of dollars on his own legal fees, but left all of the nonviolent, non-damaging 1-6 defendants, you know, hanging in the wind when they've gone bankrupt, they're going to jail. And, and boy, they could have used his support and some, some, some help raising money for their legal defense. And so I'm troubled by that, right, because loyalty needs to be a two-way street. And oftentimes in politics, Bruce, it's only a one-way street, and and that's just not how we should do business. So I'm looking at this from the outside of of what I see and what I know, and it just feels to me like uh, Frank LaRose hoping to get Donald Trump's endorsement is a Hail Mary because these two guys have not really been close. I know Trump endorsed LaRose, but it was like a blanket endorsement at the time when Trump endorsed DeWine and he endorsed a bunch of people that – I think he endorsed because then he could say after they all won, hey, look, you know, my percentage of endorsed candidates is really, really high. I don't think Frank LaRose is as, is as tight with Donald Trump as J.D. Vance was. And, and in fact, I would say LaRose right now running against Bernie Moreno and Matt Dolan. Dolan's not going to try to get Trump's endorsement. We know that he didn't try the last time. Moreno uh, is the guy who obviously is much closer to Trump. They have a lot longer, more, uh, you know, tight-knit history than what I've observed, at least, from a distance of Trump and LaRose. I don't know that this is worth getting rid of someone to get an endorsement that I would say right now, as I characterize it, is is a Hail Mary at best. Well, I think Frank's trying to at least uh, play pre-grant defense, which is to prevent Trump from endorsing anybody, right? But but look, it, it, you know, this is the actual inside deal with why Frank got Trump's endorsement uh, for Secretary of State last year, it was because it was an exchange for him endorsing J.D. Vance uh, in the Senate race. That's what happened in that that deal. And, and yeah, look, Bernie Moreno, I think he's married to Max Miller's sister. And so, you know, Max is very close to Trump. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a rough cut for anybody to try to get that out of Bernie's hands. Uh, so I think the best case for Frank is he tries to neutralize it and make sure Donald Trump does not endorse in the race. But, but that's unlikely. But, yeah, I, I don't know why you would – Jettison, uh, a guy that you had to know was a never Trumper uh, because you're going to get some heat. I mean, that's just, I, I mean, I, I, boy, I tell you, that, that is just not the kind of, of politician we need to send to, to Washington. That's the, that's the kind of person who might actually, you know, start bending to Mitch McConnell uh, and, and, and not be like J.D. Vance has been, which is a great, strong fighter for Ohioans. Yeah, I mean, Rob Nichols ties to John Kasich, tells you everything you need to know about where he might be viewing uh, Donald Trump. But we move on in our interview with Matt Mayer. Matt joins us every Thursday at 12.05. Follow him on Twitter at Ohio Matt. His uh, website, exploratory run for governor now, I think he's uh, he's determined he's going to run for governor, is OhioMatt.com. 
And uh, as governor, you'll have the opportunity to lead. I don't see a lot of leadership from Mike DeWine. I see today the legalization of marijuana is going to be on the November ballot. We got Maureen O'Connor talking about uh, getting a ballot initiative out there on redistricting. We obviously have the abortion amendment on the ballot. Um, Are conservatives allowed to propose things on the ballot? Are governors allowed to, like, lead things like this? Or can all you do is eat cookies and uh, play with your grandkids? Yeah, look, Bruce, this has been my big, big beef over the last few weeks, right, which is, where in God's name is the strategic thinking from Republicans, conservatives in Ohio? I mean, where is Mike DeWine, John Husted, Dave Yost, Robert Sprague, Keith Faber? Where where are the leaders of this state saying, let's go on offense in this 50% plus one environment we are now stuck in, rather than finding ourselves constantly on defense? And, and so to me, where is that, that, that innovative, thought-changing idea to say, look, let's get these issues on the ballot, because these are what's important to Ohioans as well. So that way the left is on defense. But instead we sit back and go, oh, no, we've got to now find a, a, a radical abortion measure. Oh, no, we're going to try to turn you know, Ohio into Colorado and make sure we get tons of homeless and crime and, and drug dens on every corner. Oh, no, we're now going to make sure that we, 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 we essentially make Ohio a progressive left place because redistricting lefties are going to try to take over this process. So this is the thing to me, which is we are constantly finding ourselves on defense. And my God, I'm tired of it. And I can tell you, when I'm governor, we will be on offense nonstop every day for four years or eight years if I'm lucky to get that. Because this, we cannot continue to sit back and get hit once, you know, again and again and, and just keep taking a beating. This is not Rocky Balboa where, the, you know, it's good, good, good to take a beating every, in the corner every day. We're not going to tire the left out. They have an insatiable need for power. Well, I've looked before online for Mike DeWine's official daily schedule. I can't find it. That doesn't mean it's not there. Maybe I looked in the wrong place. But I would just love to know what this guy's doing on a daily basis because it seems to me like I go weeks at a time without ever hearing from him, which I find odd for somebody who has a position that could be used uh, to be a true leader like we see other governors around the nation doing. Oh, and look, he was totally AWOL on State Issue 1, right? Yep. The guy was totally AWOL. And again, where is the leadership? Where is it? And, and, and that's the problem, right? I mean, we have too many people that are in statewide office that have no interest in leadership. All they're concerned about is keeping themselves in office, getting to their next office, and accumulating power. But then they don't actually ever use that power to do good for Ohioans. And that's got to change. Yes, it does. Matt Mayer, Opportunity Ohio, OhioMatt.com. Follow him on Twitter at OhioMatt. Thank you so much for the time. We'll talk to you again next Thursday. Hey, thank you. Bruce. Have a great weekend. My thanks to Matt Mayer, OpportunityOhio.org, OhioMatt.com. And during the break, uh, I often like browse Twitter to see what I'm missing. Uh, it's just heartbreaking to me. This uh, Maui wildfire situation, uh, I've been to Maui um, several times. I don't know if it's four or five, might even be more than that. Uh, but the devastation of the wildfires of course, ratchets up the difficulty of bringing Maui back to what it was before. Here's what I predict is going to happen. A lot of people are going to see this as a blank palette, a blank slate. They'll have untold money. They'll go in there. They'll offer natives X amount of dollars. And then they'll rebuild what is already a state enslaved to democratic politics. 
into a larger version of uh, Epstein Island. I don't mean it'll be, you know, a hangout for pedophiles. I just mean it's going to become a place where the rich go to frolic and the average, everyday, ordinary person can't afford anymore. And you say, well, why do I have that? It's not because I'm a conspiracy theorist. It's because you see it playing out in little things. I just watched a video of a police officer pull up to a distribution. It's not even a distribution center. A distribution center, you're picturing like, oh, big building, maybe a church, a school, whatever. And no, this was like an organic setup. It's out in the country. There's no, but but some someone, and if you've been watching Will Kane on Fox, there are a lot of like, grassroots organic relief efforts of residents in Maui or people who like Will Kane's family lives there, whatever. And they're putting together like private relief efforts. And the reason why these things are happening is because the people of Maui are like waiting around for the government to come in and nothing's happened. Nothing's happening, which I find odd because like I said, Hawaii's already like a democratic stronghold, but it doesn't have a lot of electoral votes six hours away from the mainland. It's it's not really relevant. Not really relevant. So I saw this police officer. He stops. He gets on his bullhorn. He tells people, hey, you got to disband right now. The words come down from above. The powers that be have said, you got to break this up. Well, we're here to get water, dude. Like, what are you talking about? No, the powers that be say you got to go. Okay, so then I saw this tweet from Vivek Ramaswamy. And here's what he just said. There's a dark but hard truth to the Maui catastrophe that has led to over 110 tragic deaths. As wildfires rage, desperate residents petitioned state officials to send more water for firefighting and to help them protect their properties from fire. That request went unanswered for hours, withholding critical aid to islanders. Now we're learning that the official who delayed the approval is an Obama Foundation Asia-Pacific leader and a climate activist who believes water should be revered first and foremost. The DEI agenda is literally costing people their lives. Hawaii's Democratic Governor Josh Green says there are people fighting against the release of water to fight fires, and that that needs to be explored further. Yeah, it does need to be explored further, but you know what? You can explore it as much as you want to. It's not going to fix the problem because the problem has already devastated Lahaina and most of West Maui, thus opening the door for the rich and powerful and elite to take it over and further marginalize the natives and the average everyday normal Americans like me who say, you know, I'd love to go back to Maui. Hey, honey, it's our anniversary. Would you like to go back to Maui for our 25th anniversary? We went on our honeymoon. We went on our 10th anniversary. Let's go back on our 25th anniversary. Or we always told our girls, we jokingly told our girls, When they said, well, we want to go to Maui, we'd say, oh, oh, you can't. Only adults are allowed on Maui. You can't take kids to Maui. There's no kids on Maui. It's like uh, the town in uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And when my kids were little, they believed it. Now we laugh about it. But pretty soon, there'll be no Republicans on Maui. That sounded like Joe Biden there. That's probably something he would say. No Republicans on Maui. They won't let you be there. So who is this water guy? Now, If you've been to Maui, if you've been to a luau in Maui, you know (laughs) Maui has for a long time been awash in phony, fraudulent religion, okay? The water gods, the this god, the that god. 
In fact, I think I told this story on the air, or maybe I was just reminiscing with it with with my wife about it. We took a canoe trip on Maui, and the guide was like, anything bad that happened in Maui was because the missionaries brought it. Everything bad. Ah, you know. We didn't have this till the missionaries came. And you didn't have tourism till the missionaries came either. Did you ever think of that, champ? No, you didn't think of that. Okay, so here's Waterman. His name is Kaleo Manuel. He is the guy who refused to release the water in Maui. He was a Hawaiian studies major. He prefers a holistic one water approach. Here he is telling you all about it. The commission is responsible per, per our authorizing statute to protect and manage all water resources in the state. One water is like taking it and looking at it from a holistic system perspective. And that's not dif- any different than how Hawaiians traditionally manage water. You know, in, in essence, we treated it, a native Hawaiians treated water as one of the earthly manifestations of a god and a kua kane. And so that reverence um, for a resource and that reciprocity in relationship was was something that was really, really important to our worldview and, and well-being, right? And living in an island in isolated from other, you know, civilizations. Um, and so I think where it shifted to today or over time is that we've become used to looking at water as like something which we use and not necessarily something w- that we revere as oh. that thing that gives us life, right? <sighs> I mean, to me, it's a shift in value set. Um, and, you know, if we can start to really look at how we as humans in an island um, can reconnect to that traditional value set. So really, my motto is always like, let water connect us and not divide us. Like we we can share it, but it requires true conversations about equity, Of course it does. True conversations about equity. Not phony made up. Woke nonsense conversations about equity. Which, by the way, are the only conversations about equity. Oh, it's holistic. It's a one-water approach. Something we use. Something we revere. Man, those people in Maui are so screwed. They are screwed. Like they lost everything. Including the people they love. And you got nut jobs like this whose head is filled with this nonsense, who won't bear the brunt of any of his decisions, which is pretty much every Democrat out there.